Welcome to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions. Here are your hosts for electionspeakers.com, Lori Schloff and Dr. Dennis Becker. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Dennis Becker and this is electionspeakers.com, the place to hear unique critique of the speaking styles of candidates and others who are a a part of this presidential campaign. And today is August 25th, the first day of the Democratic National Convention from Denver, Colorado. And joining me today at the round table is my co-host, Lori Schlaff, professional speech coach and author. Welcome, Great. Lori. Great to be here, Dennis. And sitting next to Lori is another professional speech coach, Monica Murphy. Thanks for joining us, Monica. Glad to be here, Dennis. And around the round table also is our old friend, Dr. Deborah London, author and speech coach. Can we call you Debbie? That'd be great. Okay, good. <laughs> Debbie, welcome. And from uh, uh, a remote site, but the joining us today is a soon-to-be author and speech coach, Ethan Becker. Ethan, welcome. Oh, thanks. Glad to be back. All right, good. Now listen, uh, this week, obviously, folks, this week is a very important week. And it is the week that the Democratic National Convention happens. So next week, we'll be talking all about that. Mm -hmm. And we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, when that time comes next week. However, today we're going to talk about what's just happened this past week. And, of course, the significant events of uh, the Democrats choosing a vice presidential candidate and other things. So uh, let's begin by talking about what I think everybody is talking about so far, and that is the selection of Joe Biden as the vice presidential candidate. So I'm sure each of you saw and heard him. Now, listeners, as you know, we are talking about the speaking styles, not the content. We're talking about the process of the way uh, each speaker contributes to the voting decisions that you all make out there. So let's talk a little bit about Joe Biden and what kind of an impact he had. Who's Lori, uh, you saw it, I'm sure. sure. What did you think about the, the introduction and the way uh, Obak, uh, uh, Barack Obama introduced him? The way he was introduced, I thought, was touching. Hmm. Again, uh, Barack shows he can be a very touching man. Um, he has a lot of variety in facial expression. He has a, a winning smile. I know I'm making him sound like a movie star. I know I'm not the first person. What I thought was interesting was that I'd give them both high points in two very important aspects of being a leader, and that is likability and confidence. I would say in terms of strength of communication, and this is neither a good nor a bad statement, Joe Biden's a strong communicator. And I'm interested in what my colleagues think about this. He's just like a big, strong guy. I'd almost say lumbering. A small, petite woman like me would almost be afraid to shake his hand. It's that kind of strength. He has a loudish volume. Maybe he'll tone down uh, as he gets in different situations. And a colleague of mine who saw him on a, a quieter talk show says he indeed can be very quiet and Tell me a little bit more about the touching word that you use. What do you mean by touching? Barack's uh, introduction was touching. What do you mean by that? I think the way Barack laid out Joe Biden's life story ah. had so many key elements of... A sad story, tragedy overcome because of uh, Joe, Joe Biden's early history with stuttering, because of his tragic loss of his young family one month after he became a senator uh, at the age of 29, because he overcame a, uh, a brain aneurysm, and because he seems like 
a good guy. Every day the guy commutes from Delaware on Amtrak to Washington. He's never taken, uh, as far as I know, an apartment in Washington. But did you like, you like, in other words, you liked not only what uh, Obama said about him, but did you, you felt that the way that Obama said those things was uh, special? Yes, and I, I want to give my other cl uh, colleagues a chance to weigh on it, in on this, but if I had to compare strength versus nurturing or strength versus softness, in terms of how they appeared in Springfield, Illinois, I thought Obama had the softer touch. All right, Monica, what did you think about this? Uh, just let's talk about the introduction of uh, Joe Biden uh, by Barack Obama. What did you think? Was he touching, sincere? What did you think? What was your feeling? Well, I do agree with a lot of things that Lori said. I thought he was touching. I thought he was sincere. Uh, I, I, I do feel, though, that, that they were almost made to match each other. I mean, even right down to the way they were dressed, and we were talking about that earlier, just the idea of Barack in his blue tie, and then uh, <laughs> Biden comes up in the red tie, the bringing of the parties together. They had identical pants on. <laughs> Monica, you really look at them closely. I mean, they were I think they had to flip a coin to see who got blue, who got red. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Shouldn't Barack have that choice? But uh, I liked it. I agree about the sentiment and the way it was delivered, but I I felt that it was a little rushed in a way, though. Mm, I think the speed increased, the amount of time they spent up on the platform. Mm -hmm. So I think it was touching in terms of the way the words were delivered, but the timing felt awkward to me a little bit. Interesting. All right, and okay. a superficial comment about dress. Someone told me that Biden does not like to go without a jacket. So it was interesting that, of course, he had to huh. yield to Obama's request. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I want, was it, do you think it was, Bi uh, excuse me, do you think it was Obama's request, or was it the people that are the, the behind the scenes that we don't know about? I, th I think that, uh, you know, I agree with a lot of what was just said. I think Obama did try to create this very warm, feeling about Biden and this presence. I mean, he has a presence of this very larger-than-life senator. He's the fourth most senior senator that we have. And and because of that and because of all the gaffes, and everyone talks about both Democrats, Republicans all talk about all the gaffes that Biden makes, almost as though it's part of his trademark. And I think Obama clearly compliments that. Everything is a compliment between the two of them. They are a contrast that works with their speaking styles, with their... Their, their overtures, the, everything, their dress, and I think that's that Obama or or his with along with his team is very smart to capitalize on that. Ethan, how do how do you think? What do you think about this? Okay, about the yeah, and let me. I also want to add something here too. Is as for folks listening to the show, uh, it may sound like we are all about Obama and a left-leaning show, especially right now. That just have. I wanted to reiterate that just happens because that's. What happened this weekend? Something like that on the other side. Yeah, you know, next week we're going to hear the same thing, Ethan. When yeah. we talk yeah. about the Republicans, it'll be the other way. And so it's okay. I know. I just I don't I don't want folks to get the wrong idea that that last time it was all about the cake. As speech coaches, you know, we're we're just talking. So what do you think about this introduction? I think it. I didn't have very big memories from it. Most of my memories are from from Biden's speech. So in, in that regard, I think it did its job because I wasn't focused on Obama for that speech. It was nice. It, it was warm. Okay, fine. And then on with it. So, All right. Now, you guys have been very nice, and nobody <laughs> mentioned the two big things that, of course, the networks are all talking about, and that is that there was a, 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 what they consider a major gaffe in both of them. I mean, what do you think? I mean, he introduced him as – Obama introduced him as the next president – 
and then quickly caught that and said vice president. Now, is that a major gaffe, do you think? No, you know what, you know what I noticed while I was listening and watching uh, Senator Biden? He is very presidential. I mean, again, his seniority in the Senate is is Obama's trying to make it work for him. He's the newbie in this respect, only in comparison. So but he, did the did the the gaff did it was this a gaff for I, Obama? I don't think it was a gaff. I think it was a faux pas. That's okay. slightly it's less. Not, I'm not sure. How, however, you know, I mean, Biden ran in '88, and then and then again this year, and they were adversaries. So he's very presidential-minded. I think it was. Again, I can't say how I think this really translates into Biden's communication, how purposeful the selection was because he's a seasoned communicator. Okay, he you're knows starting how to speak. sound like you're starting to sound like a commentator. I ask you a question, you give me an answer on two other things. I definitely disagree with this. I think this, this is not a gap. I think this is uh, a waste of I, I, the, the networks are trying to come up with stuff to talk about. It's an obvious thing to pick on. In real life, we make mistakes all the time. Even if they did it strategically on purpose, so what? Uh, I, I think this is really no news. Okay, okay. how about, go ahead, Laurie. Okay, I want to do two things. One is weigh in on the gap and then give you what Joe said. I'm dying to hear what all of you, you um, have to say about what Joe said about his wife. Okay, I, fe oh, wow. I felt embarrassed when he said introducing Joe Biden, the next president. The reason I felt embarrassed is because mm -hmm. Biden is more experienced That's and kind right. of does look more presidential. So it felt embarrassing because of that. Okay, everybody, so here's... Um, no, the don't go to the white oh, Hold on okay. a second, because <laughs> there was an equivalent kind of gaffe on the other side. Don't you remember? And everybody's making a big deal out of this, too. Joe Biden said, and now Barack, Barack America. I mean, yeah. he got his name wrong. Is this a big gaffe, too? What do you think? Monica. I think language is going to be what the main focus is here. I don't think Biden meant to say that. I think he just wasn't focused. I think he's a big guy with a big vision. He uses big language and big words. And I know we're going to talk about the big words he used to describe his wife. But the, the, the main thing about uh, uh, that we need to watch here, it really focuses more on the language that these folks are choosing. Whether they're meaning to or not, the language is unbelievably taking us to different places. Okay, so is this a big gaffe or not, Neil? Yes or no? No. Okay. Debbie, yes or no? Not a big gaffe. A, no. Ethan, big gaffe, yes or no? Don't care. Don't care, okay. <laughs> and I don't care either. I don't care. And, think then, and let me just say, also, the, he may have done it on purpose. I mean, these guys, it's easy to sit back and say, these guys are professionals, they may have done it intentionally. Fine, okay, either way, on to the messages. Yeah, That's my take. Seemed, they both seemed, I thought, a little bit nervous, which is unusual for both of them, but it was an unusual circumstance for both of them. Each one made one uh, verbal gaffe, no big deal. I didn't think it had anything to do with anything. So, Debbie, go Can ahead. Can I just segue final onto language? On well, not a final word, but to take us into, into the, oh, the yes, speech itself. Uh, Biden used a lot of bandwagon references at the, early on in the speech, and by bandwagon references, he was getting everyone on board. He was trying to use language that would evoke a feeling of, mm -hmm. of com camaraderie. Camaraderie, I guess, that with mm -hmm. with or team team language with Obama and and getting all the public on board. He was using a lot of language that that ignited feelings like that, very purposeful. Yeah, work. it was a little bit annoying. I want to get to Lori about the comments yeah, about his wife. But on that, on that issue that W was talking about, yes, uh, a camaraderie thing, but hello. Ladies and gentlemen, 15 times he said that. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen oh, this, okay. ladies and gentlemen that. I mean, that's about, this is an, 
about as disingenuous as uh, McCain's my friend. Yeah, he had two, two, two right. folks and 15 right. my friends. I Come know. on, I mean, I'm 15, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I don't have to get petty about this, but I mean, it's a it's a technique that gets overdone. Right. I think. Okay, let's talk about it. With Biden's all due comments. respect, I do find some of the comments of men of his generation around age 65 That's somewhat right. endearing sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tease, tease. Anyway, so here's the direct quote because I wanted to make sure I got this right. So. Joe Biden said, my wife, Jill, who you'll meet soon, is drop-dead gorgeous. Wish my husband would say that about me. Next. She also has a doctorate <laughs> degree, which is a problem. So I'm just going to throw that out. Do you want me to say it again or not? No, no, I got no, it. Okay, I'll, be, I'll comment okay. first this time. I think, uh, first of all, I thought there was nothing wrong with saying it. Uh, either of those things, drop-dead gorgeous or... Because uh, a husband can say that stuff about his wife. I don't think he would say about somebody else's wife, but okay, fine. I didn't think I had a problem with that. And secondly, the issue of uh, her, her, the comment on the PhD that she has, which is a problem. Now, if you notice, that was not part of his scripted delivery. Correct. It was one of the few times that I thought he was being Joe Biden. Very friendly. See, normally he doesn't read off of a script, and I thought he was being very uh, uh, genuine in that in that time. So I didn't think there was any problem with it, and I understood it. I think a lot of men understood what he was talking about in terms of that sort of thing. Of course, the men did. Let me ask this question to the group, though. Let let me put this question out there. Why would someone potentially take great offense to that? Oh, give me a break! Oh my gosh! Hey, I Oh, whoa, right, whoa, 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 from Monica and hey. Monica first. Go Ma- ahead. I'll go, go ahead, Monica. Monica. Okay. Uh, my, my thought of give me a break, I mean, fine, show a little bit of yourself, but do it by mentioning your wife. Now, you're trying to win over supporters that were with Hillary Clinton. So your choice of words have to be very careful. Your references have to be careful to try to build a little rapport or relationship by being self-deprecating at your wife's expense, in my mind, as a female, does not build loyalty for me. And being described as drop-dead gorgeous when it's the first time you're addressing the country as the running mate for Barack, who's so endearing and humbling and such a great speaker, I think it was a poor choice of words. I thought the timing was poor about it, and I thought the delivery of it would not have, I don't think the way the language was used would build any rapport for me if I was a voter, and I remember we're talking about how their language, their delivery, their communication impacts voters. If I was a voter, say, in a confused camp of, of wanting to decide if I go to the Barack Obama camp or McCain, I don't feel like I was welcomed. And I know we're going to get to it in a minute, but I w- also want to talk about how the McCain strategy, I think, wait a minute, before, I wanna, before I wanna you get go to that, that I will Debbie, go on that. this. Right. Go on this, Debbie. Go ahead. Look. I'm a woman, I have a PhD. This is something I run into all the time. The fact that he talked about his wife as drop dead gorgeous, we could debate that, and I don't feel strongly about that as, as it was clearly an off the cuff response. It's one thing at a dinner party if you say, oh God, she has a PhD, you know, it's, this is a problem for us. But it literally is an issue for me because people do not expect a woman, an attractive woman if I can say that, to have a PhD, to be as as schooled, as intellectual. I get people who are either intimidated without even knowing what I know or who I am because I have an advanced degree. I I don't think... So did it offend you? It it offended me because you would not not have said Mm -hmm. this about a man. If a man has Mm -hmm. a doctorate or an MD, you don't, that's not something you say and then comment on as unusual. It it minimized and I, I think it really was a an insult in that arena. 
because of the context, it should not have been said like now, that. The one counter comment I would say to this, though, is that I watched Michelle Obama talk at one of the, in New Hampshire when she was talking about Barack, and wasn't she so clever, though, to say, at the end of the day, he's just a man. He talks about where he puts his socks, how he doesn't do the laundry, doesn't make the bed. Now, she was speaking to a group of women. So she should be. Well, I find that offensive. I uh, don't know where my socks are. We where are we going? I, I think that's what the issue is that we're dealing with here is that, that we're dancing around. Is it okay or not to talk about the obvious stereotypes that exist? I think over the years, sometimes in some environments, they're very offensive. A classic example yep, a group of women saying, oh, geez, he's just a man, right? Same thing. Men doing the same thing. I think I in this case, the, yeah, exactly. the question is, yep, really the question is, was he being, he was trying to sound friendly instead of social in a small group of just close friends, that might go over great. No, I think it's a reason of topic because Okay, enough about this. I, I think we all get it. Uh, well, let's let the voters make a decision. We'll let them weigh on this. And we'll see if we hear anything between this week and next week. Let's talk about Joe Biden's his, his speech itself, okay? Let's talk about the impact that you think it had by the way that he delivered it. Uh, and I'll go first again this time. I'm going to suggest that this was not typical Joe Biden as I've known and seen and heard him over the years. He is, as we've all heard, a loquacious guy. That's mm -hmm. fine. He is, as we've all heard, a guy who speaks his mind, and that's fine. Uh, he is, as we've all heard, a guy who is kind of off the cuff at his best, and I think that's fine. This was not Joe Biden. He was not off the cuff. He was reading a, lot, a great deal of it. Mm -hmm. He didn't seem to me to be as comfortable as he could be, should be in that role. On the other hand, okay, it's a big deal. It's a big announcement. I think we will see a lot more of the old Joe Biden as we go along, particularly when we get to the debates. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Next. Uh, Laura, how about you? As I said, he come, he came across in this environment as strong, a big guy, so a, a bit, a tiny bit over the top. And, you know, I think I've noticed that clients react to nervousness in one of two ways. Some folks clam up and some people get, I think this happens to some speech coaches, a little bit louder, a little bit more dynamic. I'd like to see the Joe Biden in the middle, if there is such a human being. I do also want to praise him, though, because a lot has been written about that. He overcame a childhood stutter. And to educate our listeners, I did want to say that 1% of the population, as adults, do stutter. It is not their fault. It is not something that can always be easily overcome. Joe Biden was lucky. He was among the group of over 75% of people who stutter as children who are able, as adults, to quote-unquote grow out of it. Do you know how he grew out of it? Do you know what he did? You know, in high school, they used to call him Joe Impedimenta. Joe Impedimenta. And a terrible thing because he was a stutterer. He overcame it. He didn't just grow out of it. He overcame it by, by, by uh, memorizing, this became a problem, for memorizing uh, passages from Yeats and from Emerson. Then he would go in front of his mirror and recite them. And this is the way he began himself to overcome the stutter. Now, that became a problem. We won't get into this too much now, but when he, when he read some speech, he memorized some speeches and said them and then forgot to indicate who the sources were. And we all uh -huh. know about that. We'll get uh -huh. to that. All right. Okay, Monica, what did you think? Well, regarding the speech itself, I thought um, his use of language was very good. Things like he'd say, putting putting my feet in the right place. He referenced Lincoln. He referenced Roosevelt. I think he's doing he's doing some things to build a comfortable level of ethos for himself. Mm -hmm. 
and one thing I am watching carefully is because he does have the communication style to be very presidential in and of himself. He's got to remember he's running for the yeah. vice presidency and build that level of rapport with listeners. So what I am watching is how closely he delivers his lines, things like, I've watched Barack meet challenges over the past 19 months. I've seen ste him with steel in his spine, yeah. Yeah. which I think is a direct language reference to the fact that McCain's the communication style has has um, used clips of Biden speaking where he is degrading Obama's experience. Yeah. So they're using the yeah. t passage of time and language mm -hmm. to show how Biden can, can turn his tides, if you will, and become the supporter. Mm -hmm. Along that, I will also say this. From a delivery standpoint, I felt that Joe Biden looked down too much at the end of every sentence. Yeah. And that, as you said, was not the Biden we're used right. to seeing. He seemed more scripted. He was, and, and we know when we work with people as coaches that oftentimes, if you look down at the end of the sentence, some of your most passionate messages are lost and delivered to the podium and not your listeners. Right. And I think we did see that with him in this talk. Right. Yeah, I, I just want to take the opposite. So I agreed with, with just about everything Monica said up until the looking down part. You know, let's think about how long he had to prep on this speech. I mean, honestly, how long could he have had? So with that in mind, I think he was forced to, to look down more than usual. The country's under attack. How long is he going to need to prep for that? Yeah, I but mean, that's he has something, to be ready. Right, but that's something I think that's much easier to, to say from an impromptu or extemporaneous way. He had to be really careful about what he was saying here, and so I think he was much more dependent on a script than usual. Absolutely. In that Question. Case. What about a teleprompter for these folks? Well, they had, they had a teleprompter. Oh, he still he didn't use it. He didn't. Now, he did, you, okay, so that was an interesting choice. Would you agree? Do you? Do you th I yeah. do agree. It's an interesting yeah. choice. Now, Debbie, yeah. do you think that? Uh, how much of the speech that he gave do you think he actually wrote? Oh, I, I think there's a speechwriter. There's no question. There's a speechwriter. And from having studied speech right, presidential speechwriting, there's no, no question. question. All right, no, Ethan. No. How about you? What do you think about this? Okay. Um, I, you know, initially I was a little bit bothered by. Uh, by his hair. <laughs> uh, but then actually, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was very. Good. All right. A couple of things that noticed that, that that really stood out for me uh, that are positives in his communication. One of them is how he handled interruptions. It's not easy when you're in a very large crowd and the crowd starts chanting or whatever it is. Many speakers just barrel straight through, sticking to the script. He rolled with it. Uh, what did he say? He said, uh, okay, you can tell him off script, and he's like, let me tell you about Obama. Let me tell you about Obama, right? It, if you listen, it's not how he was intending to start that sentence, but then everybody started to chant. He just picked it up and rolled with it. I like that. It's not easy to do that. Uh, I also noticed he had a very good use of color in the wording, meaning adding uh, the, the inflection in his voice. Uh, the, the, the passion of a particular word matched its meaning, which I think helped him help the message to be more clear with whatever that is. It's something that, well, emotional politicians can do well, and others, when they don't do it well, it's kind of easy to pick on them. Uh, John Kerry had that problem, for instance. He had a very difficult time matching the level of pathos or emotion with a word, with the word itself. So he'd say something substantial, but in a very non-substantial sounding way, and then, of course, it was easy for his competition to pick on him. He didn't well, do that. One of, the, really well. one of the things I like best of all about Biden's speech this time was he knows how to pronounce the word nuclear. 
<laughs> but but that not manufacturing. Like comment. No, not know, manufacturing, know, Dennis. I know, I he know. said mana manufacturing. Well, he's a little, <laughs> that's that's the scra that's the scrappy kid from Scranton right. coming out of him. I and think. that's what people hate about speech coaches, by the way. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. on things like that. Lincoln Biden mentioned Lincoln, gave two Lincoln references, and he also invoked that in Obama's background was uh, his grandfather was in General Patton's army. I thought that was very strategic. Oh sure. And it was very specific. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like the fact that he says he said something about uh, you have to be more than just a soldier? Obvious very strong plants. Yeah, obvious absolutely. reference to McCain and the whole reference to being a yeah. good soldier. Obvious plants. I think both sides do it. He did it here. I think it was a little bit kind of hokey, but <laughs> you know I think if I, I'm if I, I'm already a fan, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into it. If I'm not a fan, I don't know. I'd probably be turned off by it. I think a lot of this language, though, to get back to language, is really being geared towards the undecided voters, and maybe mm -hmm. that's where I'm really focusing. Just the language that they're changing. We're seeing more language with Biden and uh, and Barack that talk about. Um, the more that we would consider McCain camp language as speech coaches. And then interestingly, I just saw what the, the latest advertisement that McCain is running, and the language in that advertisement and the delivery of it is very interesting. They were gearing it towards voters who are Hillary supporters that have not yet come over. So it features a female speaker, yeah. not McCain. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the female speaker is leaning forward, whispering, shh, it's okay. It's okay to not vote. Democrat, go Republican. Yeah, I think it's not very, a good. Yeah, it's very, and just very. the delivery, the language choice. They're using more baroque language, more touchy feeling language, which we have not seen from the McCain camp as much. So I think, in an effort to neutralize mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. we are really seeing language switching camps from both speakers. Yeah, very interesting. Wow. And I like the idea about the the female voice. It's the same thing that uh, they're both using that, but that's a good observation. Lori, just by the way, we have about two minutes, folks. Yeah, hot off the presses. One of my colleagues just handed this to me. Obama's getting H-E-L-L <coughs> over saying, am I allowed to say it? Sure. If we spend 10 to 12 billion a month in Iraq, we sure as H-E-L-L, my mother taught me not to curse, oh. can, can pay 10 to 12 million billion dollars right here in the U.S. Any comments on the use of H-E-L-L? I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, there will be, look, there's, there's no gonna, matter, there's going to be some, look, there's, there, last week there's, on the interview? there's probably going to no. be people who will ob uh, object to his being called Joe instead of Joseph. I mean, you're going to get all sorts right. of linguistic objections out there from folks. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the, using the word hell in that context or in the setting that he was in was particularly damaging to him. In fact, it might have been somewhat endearing. You're going to find that right. kind no, of thing I, I think it goes back to exactly what we, we talked about last week with, with those kind of less formal inferences and less, less formal things that, that pepper Obama's speech. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Joe Biden settles into his style of formality slash informality. Yeah, because yeah. even in some of the language, you know, I, I saw the announcement that he sent out to email supporters. He stresses his length. He stresses that he's been a senator, but he doesn't say for 36 years. You know, he takes out the numbers. All right. Listen, speaking of the numbers, we've got to look at the numbers on the yoldy clock on the wall right now where we are out of time. Oh, look at all the, the grimaces around the table here. Sorry, folks. Uh, but we are out of time for this week. We'll be back again next week. We post every Monday. And, of course, this week, this is the week of, uh, of August 25th. This week, we do have to be sure that everybody is paying attention to the National Democratic National Convention because we will next week we will have a lot to talk about. 
So we're urging all of those of you who are listening to do the same and um, see what unique critique we have about the speakers who influence and impact your voting decisions when we come back again next week. Now, in the meantime, if you'd like to drop a line to us and make a comment, please do it. We're, we're, we'd love to hear from you. We got a lot last week. We'd love to hear from you. You address it simply to comments at electionspeakers.com. Once again, if you want to make a comment to us, perfectly okay. We heard a lot of reaction last week. Address it to comments at electionspeakers.com. And we look forward to not only hearing from all of you during the course of this week, but being back again with some of the same and perhaps some new speech coaches next week when we're here to talk about those speakers and the style of those speakers who impact the voting decision that you're making in this 2008 presidential election. So until next time, then, this is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening and bye for now. You've been listening to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. Electionspeakers.com is posted every Monday.